What's up, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark DeBerry, the podcast, the coach, helping people launch, grow, and monetize their podcast. And when you are a public speaker and you are on the stage, uh, we talk a lot about getting on stages, but when you're on that stage, you have to deliver a great presentation uh, to get on more stages and to get more attendees coming up to you after your presentation's over. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is how do we uh, grab people's attention? What are some of the attention grabbers we can utilize? And also some of the icebreakers, because sometimes like when people are meeting each other for the first time, how do we start these kinds of conversations? These are two really essential skills for you to have as a public speaker, whether it's you on the stage grabbing attention or you coming up with an icebreaker at a conversation you're having with someone during an event. Uh, so our special guest is going to share those details with us. Uh, with the icebreakers and being able to uh, grab attention. Uh, in addition to giving those insights to us in this episode, he is known as the transformpreneur. Uh, he shows businesses how to thrive by doing the right thing in an affordable and effective manner that can transform society. He's an international speaker and TEDx talker, uh, transformational business consultant, and the multi-award winning best-selling author of 10 books, uh, including Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World. So our guest right here on Profitable Public Speaking is none other than Shell Horowitz. Shell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. It's great to be here. I'm so happy to have you on the show. We've done a few virtual summits together. Uh, I've had you on and definitely great to have you back on another show. So thank you so much. for. <laughs> We've been working together since you were a teenager. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I'm 21 now, so I mean, I did start during those teen days. It's crazy to think I'm still not one, but um, I'm wondering if you could just give us a background into uh, how you became a public speaker, and we'll get into some attention and ice-breaking stuff right after that. Okay, the first time I remember giving talks publicly was when I was in ninth grade, and I ran for school office, and I had to do three assemblies of about 800 people each. I have no idea what I said, what I sounded <laughs> like, but I discovered that there's a lot of juice that I get in facing an audience and, and getting them to, to listen and to interact. And, you know, my wife actually used to teach a class called Public Speaking for the Terrified, and I never needed to take that class because having started at how old was I in ninth grade? I think I was 13. Um, yeah, I was 16 when I graduated high school. So I was probably 13. And I already knew that it was fun. I already knew that it was a great way to move my agenda forward. I already knew that when you are speaking publicly at a conference, you're the royalty there. People come up to you and they thrust their business cards at you and you don't have to go chasing them. And they want to invite you for dinner or to have coffee and uh, they schedule conversations with you later. So it's a great way to build a business as well as really just, it feels so good to be up there having people listen to what you have to say and being treated as what your message is, is important. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, so if you are still afraid of public speaking, get over it. 
<laughs> and uh, just that fear part of me, you just got to keep practicing over and over again, doing interviews like this, doing YouTube videos, eventually getting in front of people and talking. Uh, it is something that you do have to get over because a shell benches, I mean, public speaking, you get your message in front of a ton of people in a way that people are paying a lot more attention to what you're saying. Uh, like you will get dinner and coffee invites and things like that. So there's just a lot of really awesome things that happen to you when you become a public speaker. I noticed that a podcast move, like people kept on bumping into me saying like great presentations, stuff like that. And you get that as a speaker. Uh, but the way you get that as a speaker is going up there, building a great presentation and getting people's attention. So what are some of the things you do in your presentations to uh, drive more attention to the content? Okay. Well, one thing that I often do, particularly if I'm like in the middle of a day of speakers and everybody's kind of tired, yeah. I'm not paying much attention, I'm looking at their phones. So I get in there and um, stand up to do this and tilt this back so you can still see me. I have to prop this up. <laughs> there we go. And so I might start by a little like 30 second physical exercise. And what I say will vary depending on who I'm talking to and what I'm talking about. So I might say, <clears throat> reach for higher impact, expand to the grassroots, down to the earth and contract your budgets. Boom. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. And again, if I'm talking to marketers, it, it might say, reach for higher profits. Or if I'm talking to strictly environmentalists, the content would be focused like that. So that's, that's a really simple thing. Uh, there's also, I, one thing I try to do is if I'm giving a talk, I try to get there early enough that I can meet some of the early arrivers find out their names, maybe find out a little thing or two about them. And then usually fairly early in the speech, I might say, Joanne was telling me before we got started, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I'm not only am I the speaker, but I'm one of them. I'm somebody who knows people in the room. And it also, people love it when you use them as an example like that. So those are two. And then if you're in a situation perhaps where sometimes when you're giving a presentation, you're not really giving a presentation, you're facilitating a discussion. So I might say, <clears throat> what is your name and your favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, <laughs> just, just something, something so that you know yeah. a little thing about other people in the room or one thing you're really proud of that you did this week. Hmm. That one you need to, you only need to do that one if you have like 10 people or fewer and a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. That one could be very, uh, very time consuming. Yeah, I like the ideas. I mean, it's like you're throwing stuff out of like, it's a curveball. Like that's how you get people's attention because uh, we've been like people attendees. You got to assume that they've seen a bunch of speeches. They've seen a bunch of webinars. They know it's person comes up on stage, person does slide presentation, person says a few points about each slide, person ends Q and A. Uh, but if you could deviate from that path, uh, that people like a pattern interrupt. So getting people to stretch the beginning, that's a pattern interrupt, especially right. after lunch. People need the pattern interrupt during lunch the most. Yeah. For sure. And then people, my friend Tom Antian uses a lot of props. I don't use props, but he's got all sorts of goofy little devices that it's definitely a pattern interrupt when something comes shooting out of a toy uh, 
toy propellant um, into the audience, like, what is that? And people pay attention. I, I do think a lot of it, if you're personable, if you're authentic, people, speakers worry too much about perfecting every syllable of their speech and it comes out washed out um, and, and lacking any life. And I don't recommend that approach. I'm still trying to get <laughs> wash out and still trying to get my own image I, I unfortunately don't have a curtain on that west window <laughs> so i can't too much about it <laughs> and it is great to uh break that fourth wall as uh shell's pointing out because like having that toy playing for it is just one way but i've seen other people like throw like plastic balls in the audience i've seen other people like uh one of the things greg cardone does is he holds like a hundred dollar bill and he's like first one who takes out of my hand gets a hundred dollars and you see like a bunch of people eventually rushing up from the stage to get that hundred dollar bill. So yeah. I've uh, seen Ken MacArthur a few times basically auction off um, a small sum of money and um, people will typically gain, just give amazing prizes to, 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 to form a package. And he gives it to the first person who's willing to give him that $10 bill or whatever it is. So he says here, who's gonna give me a $10 bill? And then he makes that $10 into tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff. So if you're ever in a room where Ken MacArthur is doing that, be first. All right. <laughs> you will get your value many times over. Yeah, and just that idea like you're hearing about a speaker who does a certain thing. I mentioned Greg Cardone in my example, but like they're like such a, involved in a big way like getting the audience to engage breaking that fourth wall also such a way where it's like money also uh can really like that's the kind of story that spreads and like uh so it's like going com coming out of the grand cardone event like telling their friends you know if you're at a grand cardone event and the guy holds a hundred dollar bill you run your fastest 200 meters of your life uh, uh so i mean stuff and then like the that. other thing is if you do something like that for the rest of that conference you're somebody that people will seek out because you showed the courage and the initiative that they did. Right. Yeah, yeah, from the attendee point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I've always done as an attendee is I've looked for ways to get noticed. It may be asking a question. Um, it may be going up to people afterwards and engaging them in conversation. But I, I went to a conference a couple of years ago in my field of social responsibility meets profitability. And I came back with 40 business cards. <laughs> you know, and um, it was just be, I was, I did moderate two sessions. I was turned down as a speaker, but they said, you can moderate. So I was able to be in front of the entire conference for one of those sessions. And the other was a breakout. And the one that was the entire session, I was actually moderating for a speaker from Coca-Cola. <laughs> so you can, you can, do these things in many, many ways. You can also, attention getting starts long before the event. Right. If I am speaking at an event, I will often, if I have enough lead time, say, would you like me to give you an article a month for the three months before the event that you can run in your newsletter post on your website? These are stuff I have in the can already. It's gonna take me 10 minutes to revise them for that particular audience. And then I get there and they're like, Oh, not just I've heard of you, but like, wow, I love your stuff. And then they're going to come to my session. Mm -hmm. If you're ever lucky as I was, I, I did a conference actually at an event that had some affiliation with the UN. 
and it was um, the Association of Business Communication. And one of the other speakers on the plenary panel that I was on was, was a United Nations person. And I did my best to parlay that into an invitation to the UN. Didn't happen, but I made the effort. But what did happen there is at the opening plenary, I was able to say, and I'll be going into this in considerably more detail in my workshop, which is on you know whatever day it was at whatever time, mm. in whatever room. And I had, typically at those conferences, you have six people in the room. I had more like 30. Wow. That's a, I mean, like as a public speaker, you want to stand out. And the way you stand out is you get on the stage. But I feel like standing out as an attendee also has that same level of impact. Because if you ask a really great question, you say you're a speaker. I mean, one of the things that I've noticed at these events is it's not just attendees trying to learn stuff. It's also event organizers thinking, who oh, yeah. should I have speak? Because I saw the way this went down, uh, the way I saw for a particular case. Someone did their presentation, got off. I talked with them a little bit. Our conversation ends. He goes off, and then someone goes to him and says, hey, can you speak at our event? So you mm-hmm. can't get that as an attendee if you stand out that way. I mean, I've done like the – I've answered – I've asked questions i've thought about my questions and stuff like that uh to stand out as an attendee but really thinking of it that way the strategy behind it uh filling up your event or just setting you up for more gigs is a really great and hidden opportunity yeah i would modify that one slight bit mark Definitely. i wouldn't get up and say in my question i'm a speaker but i might say when I spoke at the social responsibility conference in Los Angeles, um, this issue came up and this is how people addressed it or something like that. Uh, you don't want to be bragging, but you can put it right. in the context of what you actually did. It's much more effective. Right. Yeah, that's a, a good point. People, you get up and say, well, I'm a speaker and I want to know blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, gee, what are you trying to do here? You're really asking a question or you're trying to tell everybody you're a speaker. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great, I mean, yeah, I just got a word that, like, uh, have an idea of what you want to say, have an idea of how you would promote yourself. But you still don't want to be like, hey, I'm a speaker. And then, like, yeah, it's, I, I, I totally get that point. Thank you for uh, bringing and that the up. Same thing for those of you, uh, speaking to me is one of the three elements of speaking, writing, consulting. They all build on each other, they all help each other. So, I, I similarly, I wouldn't say as an author. But I might say when I was researching my latest book, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World, and then go into the issue. Right. And they know you're an author and you didn't say I'm an author. Right. Exactly. And that, I think, maybe segues nicely into the whole idea of keeping attention. Once you've got who can think of anything worse than somebody who's reading their 100-word PowerPoint slides in a voice like, there. (laughs) <laughs> you know if if they're not leaving the room in droves they're looking for a vomit bag hmm. <laughs> so i i'm a great believer in being very authentic being very down to earth now this is my style different styles may work for different people i never read a speech unless it's a situation like if i have under 10 minutes to work with i will probably have it scripted out i did a pechacucha i did um a uh, some some really short ones and with the pechacucha not only did i have to be done in i think it was six minutes but i had to match my words with the slides as they went by so i did script that one (laughs) but in general even when i did the ted talk 
that I did. Um, I didn't actually totally script it out. I knew exactly what I was going to say, and I had a, a very clear idea of the words I was going to use, but it wasn't written out. I was, I was ad-libbing on the information, the material that I knew really well at that point. And that was actually the very first time that I gave my talk Impossible as a Dare, which is, I've gone on to give it in, in many longer formats, but that particular one was 15 minutes. And it was, I had up to 18, but I, I decided to only use 15. Right. Yeah, you always want to be safe for the TEDx because if you're 1801, you're out, but if you're 15, you're fine. Yeah, that's a uh, really great point. Like, uh, like it, we've all been in the presentation where someone's just looking at their uh, slides and it's boring. And if you have pictures and things like that where people are engaged with the picture and you know what to say based on looking at that picture in different points, that you just expand on, it's going to make for a more attention grabbing uh, presentation. And you did mention something really important earlier, where it's like meet the attendees before you get on the stage. And I'm wondering, how do you get those conversations to start? Like, what's your icebreaker? Like, you're just heading into the event, you don't know anyone there. What's the icebreaker? Yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll just walk over to somebody and say, Thanks for coming to my session. I'm the speaker. My name's Shell Horowitz. Um, would love to know what brought you here to listen to me today. And usually by the time they answer that question, I have plenty of information about them. And um, but also by that time, there are four or five other people who've come in and I gently excuse myself and move on and meet a couple other people. Right. And I'm not at this stage collecting business cards or, or hawking my stuff or anything like that. I'm just having conversation. I'm blessed with having learned how to be pretty good at going up to strangers and saying howdy anyway. I have had conversations on bank lines in foreign countries about US Central America policy, I kid you not. <laughs> not only that, I had those conversations in Spanish, which I'm not particularly fluent in, but I have conversations in Spanish. You know, so I'm just a, a very gregarious and social person, which is not how I was born, but I grew into it. And can you share a little bit how you grew into it? Because I know some people they feel introverted. Me personally, I'm a big introvert, but when you put me in an event, I learned how to be an extrovert. Uh, but can you talk a bit about how you grew into that kind of personality? Well, it was a slow, gradual process. I was a really shy kid. Uh, junior high school was horrible, what, what your generation would think of as middle school. Um, and then I got to high school and I went to a high school where it was, uh, the emphasis was very much on academic achievement. And all of a sudden I was thrust into a building with 3,600 other nerds. And if, if nobody was going to break the ice, we would all have just sat there staring at each other. <laughs> so I started kind of thinking, just looking from class participation, who would be kind of a, an interesting person for me to get to know? My first year there as a sophomore, I, I didn't necessarily make the best choices, but by my junior year, I'd kind of figured it out and I developed a social circle. And I just... I find that you get a lot deeper, faster, if you listen more than you talk. Mm -hmm. So just as I said, when I'm walking into a room where I'm going to speaking, what brought you here to listen to me? Uh, my first question to somebody I'm meeting at a party or meeting at a chamber networking event might also be something fairly general and that leaves that person a lot of room to explore. And then I might, and then usually when they wind up what they're telling me, then they'll say, and what about you? Hmm. Yeah, that's a really great point. Yeah, it, it's the whole thing is not rocket science. 
and for every time that you really have to be scripted, like you have four minutes to do it, or you are talking as your company's corporate representative on a legal matter, and you need to stick exactly to the script that the lawyers approved, those are the very rare exceptions. But most of the time, you're going to be in a room with people who actually want you to succeed. And that's, that's another big difference from junior high school. <laughs> <laughs> is that the, the world is full of kind people and you can find the kind people in the room. Yep. And by working with the expectation that people will be kind to you, oddly enough, it creates that reality. <laughs> yeah. If you come in thinking everybody's going to be mean and hostile, that's exactly what you'll get because yep. your body language will convey that you don't want to be there. And yeah, once you've done awesome. that, then people are like, why am I bothering with him? I have to be here for work, but that doesn't mean I have to pay attention. I'll throw spitballs. <laughs> I'll make big fart noises. <laughs> so it's to the speaker's advantage to come across as likable, as friendly, as well-informed, well-organized. And I confess, sometimes the well-organized part, I, I use my PowerPoints to keep me on track. Um, because I, I do tend to ramble. I, I, my mind is always going in a million different directions. As you can, we have not scripted this out and you can kind of see what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, for me, it, it's part of the joy is, is that if somebody says something that triggers something in me, I want the freedom to explore that. I don't want to be stuck rigidly to whatever it was that I thought I was going to do when I got there. And generally the response is very positive because that authenticity comes very clearly. I mean, Shell definitely has the likability side to him. I mean, this interview has been very awesome. Michelle's been delivering such great insights. Uh, for people who want to stay in touch with you and just follow you and all the work that you're doing, uh, where are some places we can find you? Sure. Well, the main website for this work is goingbeyondsustainability.com. And I've actually just decided to do a major rewrite of that. So sometime in the next few weeks, the copy will change. Right now it says, do, are you seen as the hero or the villain? Something like that. And that's going to go away. And there's going to be a different focus, much more benefit-oriented on helping people find that sweet spot where profitability intersects with social change and environmental healing. And that's one place. Then Facebook, my name, S-H-E-L, space, H-O-R-O, W-I, T like Tom, Z like Zebra, Shell Horowitz with just one L. Um, that's how you find me on Facebook. On Twitter, it's my name with no punctuation, no space. Just Shell Horowitz, all one word. I don't pay as much attention to Twitter as I used to. On LinkedIn, if you search for my name, I will come up. Uh, my email is S-H-E-L at greenandprofitable.com. I own quite a few websites, so that's one of them. Um, those are the main ways. If anybody actually wants to mail me postally, it's 16 Barstow Lane, Hadley, Massachusetts, 01035 USA. Well, Shell, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Profitable Public Speaking, sharing all those resources with us, which will be in the show notes along with a link if you guys want to schedule a free strategy call with me. If you want to be a podcaster, if you want to use that to get on more stages, that's something we can talk about. That link will be down there. You can also text strategy to 31996. But once and again, to, to squeeze in the offer there that, um, that Oh, you I have something. Yeah, you have something too, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So buy stuff will be down there. Shall what's yours? 
yeah, if you go to Going Beyond Sustainability and you fill out that assessment that you'll see there, then I will give you 15 minutes of free consult with me. And if you mention that you found me on Mark's podcast, I will double that and give you 30 minutes. All right, definitely mention me. Uh, yeah, get extra time with Shell. You have the option with me as well. And when you do mention me to Shell, I mean, if you just say the name of the podcast or Gaberti or something like that, that'll help you. Uh, but once again, Shell, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It's such a pleasure to have you on Profitable Public Speaking. Great to be here. Thanks again.